Well, good morning, church. It is fantastic to be back here this morning, um, and I thank you for welcoming me this morning. It was great to see all of you again. It was great to get hugs from all of you again, and it was great to have some encouragement from all of you again. Um, as Jason mentioned, uh, Lizzie and I were here for a while and very active in the church here, and then Lizzie got her opportunity to take her dream job, which was to be a school teacher, and that's why we moved to Phoenix, not just because we left you guys. I'll promise you that wasn't the case, but it's so fantastic when we get the opportunity to come back here and see all of you folks. Um, Brother Chuck told us one of the first times that we visited after we moved to Phoenix, Chuck told me, he said, this will always be your home. And I've really taken that to heart. And every time that I come back without fail, when I see Brother Chuck, the first thing he always says is, welcome home. So it is fantastic to be back here this morning. I am so blessed to have this opportunity to talk to you guys for just a few minutes this morning. And I would be remiss if I didn't thank a couple people just real quick. I, first of all, want to thank the leaders of the congregation for giving me this opportunity to come before you this morning. Um, it really means a lot to me. Um, I get more from this each time that I do it than anybody else does, so it's an amazing opportunity for me. I got to thank my cheering section because they're here every time that I preach, and I love them for it. And I couldn't do it without them. Of course, my wonderful wife, who's always there to encourage and support me. And I got to thank Jason because none of this would have ever happened if it hadn't have been for Jason. Some of you guys know the story. Um, the first time I got the opportunity to speak, Jason had come to me and said, hey, I'm going to be out of town. Do you want to preach that weekend? And I went, sure. And about two hours later, I started sweating. <laughs> and I started shaking. And I looked at my wife and I said, what did I just do? Did I really just agree to preach in front of the whole congregation? So long story short, that was an interesting one because that morning I was so scared to death I almost walked out the back door before preaching which would have been a really interesting service for you guys because you'd have all been sitting here like, what do we do now? But long story short, Jason has always been there to encourage me. He's always given me opportunities. He's always told me, you can do this, you can do this. And I just, I can't thank him enough for that. I, I, I could win the lottery, give it all to Jason, it still wouldn't be enough. So, but I promise you this, I keep trying. <laughs> so anyway... It is just so great to be here this morning. I want to take just a few minutes of your time this morning. Now, some of you, I'm sure, saw the, the title of my lesson this morning, Not a Fan, and probably went, huh? What does that mean, not a fan? So after I had reached out to Jason and said, hey, why don't you take a, take a Sunday off and let me talk to, the, talk to the church for a few minutes, he got back to me a couple weeks ago and said, uh, yeah, hey, it's all go. Well, all of a sudden, then it hit me again. What am I going to talk about? So I started to think about it, and I started to pray about it, and I really started to meditate about it, and then I realized, does anybody know what happens this Thursday? I heard somebody. Football starts on Thursday, right? We have any football fans out there? All right. Go, go who? <laughs> so I know we have some football fans out there. So I got to thinking as we were doing our fantasy football draft that what a great opportunity to recall some information that I had read a while back about not a fan. So the question that I want to ask you this morning, church, and the question that I want you to really think about for the next few minutes is, are we fans of Jesus or are we followers of Jesus? And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And it's a tough subject. It really is. It's a tough subject. Are we fans or are we followers? But that's what I really want us to think about this morning. That's what I want to meditate about this morning 
And hopefully by the end of the service this morning, you've had an opportunity to think that over and figure out, are we on the right track? Are we truly a follower of Christ? Are we a fan of Christ? So let's talk a little bit about what a fan is. I'm a fan. I'm a sports fan. Those of you who know me, I am a huge sports fan. I love sports. I love baseball. I love hockey. I love football. I love sports. Now, it drives my wife crazy sometimes. The first time that, that Lizzie came over to my house to watch a Dallas Cowboy football game, I'm surprised she ever saw me again because I'm a passionate fan. I get excited. I yell. I scream at the TV. I'm totally that guy, right? We all know that guy, right? So this guy, okay, this was Jason at the last Raiders game that he went to. He really goes all out. <laughs> so we all, know, we all know what it's like to be a fan. Fans get excited, right? Fans yell and scream. Fans support their team. Fans wear the clothes. Fans want everybody to know who they're a fan of. And there's nothing wrong with that. But the question is, is that how our relationship with Christ is? Are we a fan? Because see, a fan of Christ, they may go to church. A fan of Christ may even participate in Sunday morning service. A fan of church may even raise their hand and say, Amen. But maybe it stops there. Maybe they're just checking the box. I use checking the box as, as an example because I feel like sometimes when we are fans of Christ, we check boxes. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that as we, as we move along this morning. But that's what fans look like. So if you have your Bible with you this morning, or you have your Bible app on your iPad or on your phone, you want to turn to John chapter 6. And that's where we're going to kind of pick up our, our lesson this morning. So if you haven't already, John chapter 6. And I'll also have the scriptures up here on the screen for you to make it real, real easy for you, and we'll read them together. But that's what we're going to dig into a little bit deeper. Now, as most of you probably know that are familiar with the book of John, there's a lot going on in the book of John. Okay? The book of John has all kinds of, all kinds of stories in it. So we're going to pick up in John chapter 6. Now, as most of you know, in John chapter 6, we have the miracle, right? Where Christ fed the 5,000 with two loaves of bread and five fishes. But that's not what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to base our sermon off of that this morning, but that's actually not what we want to get into this morning. What we want to talk about is what happened after that. Okay, hopefully we're all kind of familiar with how that went down, right? We know that there was a group of people that were following Christ. There's, they say it numbered somewhere around 5,000. They came to him, and Jesus said, well, we need to feed these people. So he performed a miracle. He fed 5,000 people with two loaves of bread and five fishes. So what we want to look at is what happened after the miracle, because that's what we want to look at, is we want to decide these 5,000 people, were they fans or were they followers? That's what we want to take a look at this morning. So we're going to pick up in John chapter 6, verse 24. So John chapter 6, verse 24. Now, just a little background, as some of you may or may not already know, after the feeding of the 5,000, there was talk that they were going to try and take Jesus forcibly. So what did he do? He left, right? He knew. He knew what was going on, so he left. But we pick up in John chapter 6, verse 24, it says, Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus or his disciples were there, they got into the boats and they went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. So why did they go in search of Jesus? Were they followers of Jesus? 
Did they want to hear more of the word? Did they want to hear more of the truth? Did they believe in what Jesus was teaching? No. Unfortunately not. Why did they go after Jesus? Because they wanted what Jesus had to offer them. They wanted another miracle. They had already seen what Christ had done. They wanted to see more. So they wanted to see another miracle. What else did they want? They wanted to be fed. Right? Food is a great motivator. Right? We probably have the best attendance on what? Sunday mornings where we have a potluck after church? Yep. And we've always said Church of Christ does that well. We eat well. So they wanted to be fed. They weren't there because they believed in what Christ had to say. They were there because they wanted to see a show and they wanted to get fed. Now, we know and we've been told that Christ doesn't want fans. Christ wants followers, right? Fan versus follower. So we've talked a little bit about what a fan looks like. So what we want to talk a little bit about is what a follower looks like. I had Jason sing that last song for us, Where He Leads, I'll Follow. And I hope that you guys not didn't just sing the song, but you actually thought about what those words meant. That song talks about following Jesus all the way, right? It doesn't say where he leads, I'll follow part of the way. It says where he leads, I'll follow all of the way. But how does a fan sing that song? See, a fan sings that song and says, where he leads, I'll follow as long as it's convenient for me. Where he leads, I'll follow as long as it's not on during the football game. Where he leads, I'll follow as long as it's easy. Right? Because for those of you who are fans, and for those of you who have been to sporting events here in Southern California, you already know. What do we do here in Southern California when it comes to sporting events? We show up late, and we leave early. Right? Because we want to beat traffic. Because we have other things that are a priority. Because our team is losing. Because our team traded our favorite player. Because our team moved to a different city. Right? That's a big one in Southern California, right? Because the Rams, they left, and now they're back. And are they going to go again? Are they staying? Are the Raiders going to stay in Oakland? Are they going to Las Vegas? Nobody knows, right? But those things have a direct impact on how much we care about that team. But the problem is, when you're a fan, it's really easy to walk away. It's really easy to walk away when you're a fan. And that's why, one of the reasons why Christ doesn't want fans. Or how about a fan may, might say, I'll follow you. I'll follow you all the way as long as I get what I want. Right? Have we all been there? We've been praying for something. We've been asking for something. We've been wanting something, and we don't get it. And what do we do? We start saying, God, why? What happened? I don't understand. I've been there, and I think if we all truly take a look at our lives, we've all been there at some point or another. I'll, I'll just be transparent. Not too long ago, I applied for a job, and it was a job that I really wanted. It was actually a ministry job. And I thought, God, this is the job you've been training me for for the last three years. You've put this in my path because this is what you want me to do, and this is where you want me to be. And I believed with all my heart that this is what God was leading me to. I did. I said, this is it. This is it, Lord. Thank you so much. This is what I've been waiting for. I didn't get the job. I didn't get the job. I was devastated. So what, what's our natural instinct? God, why? I don't understand. I thought this is what you wanted me to do. 
But God has a different plan sometimes, and that's where our faith comes in, and that's where we have to be the person that says, Lord, I'm not just going to follow you when it's convenient, and I'm not just going to follow you when you give me what I want. I'm going to follow you all the way. But see, that's where it gets hard, right? Because it's real easy to do things that are easy, right? Easy things are easy. Hard things are hard, right? They're hard. And that's where the difference comes in between a fan and a follower. Because a fan, when things get hard, just says, I'm out. I'm done. My team's down by 10. If I head home now, I can hit in and out on the way home. And they leave. Right? And we joke about things like that. But how often do we see that with Christians as well? They're a fan of Jesus when things are going good. When they get the promotion, thank you, Lord. Appreciate it. But what happens when we don't? Do we walk away? Or do we truly be a follower and say, Lord, that just wasn't your plan for me at this time, but I still love you, and I still appreciate everything you did for me, and I'm still going to do the same things I've been doing all along. But that's the difference between a fan and a follower, is a fan can walk away. A fan will walk away. But a follower, as the song says, is going to lead wherever he follows. Do whatever he asks us to do, regardless of our own feelings or what we want. We see this with worship. A fan is going to do like we said earlier, going to check that box, right? Sunday morning, 9.30, went to Bible study, check. Sunday morning, 10.30, went to worship service, check. Sunday morning, I sang songs, check, because that's what I'm supposed to do, because I'm a Christian, that's what Christians do. We come to this building on every Sunday morning, right? And we sing some songs, we take some communion, we hear a message, and we walk out the door. Check, 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 check. Did everything I was supposed to do. That's what a fan says, right? Because that's what we've been brought up to do. That's what we've been taught to do. That's what we've been told we're supposed to do. But what does a follower do? A follower comes in and says, Lord, this is all about you. I'm going to sing songs about you. I'm going to give you my heart and my mind. I'm going to let you go to work in me. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit work in me because I'm here to be molded. I'm here to learn. I'm here to grow closer to you. I'm here to build a connection with you, not just to check a box. And that's the difference between how a fan worships and how a follower worships. Because a fan is just here to check the boxes, do what you're supposed to do. And a follower is here to let Christ be in control, let him take control of our lives, and do the things that he teaches us to do. So let's pick up in our story in John 6, 42. Now keep in mind, Christ is speaking to a crowd that we've already kind of fleshed out. is probably a crowd of fans and not a crowd of followers. And it says, they said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he say, I came down from heaven? So now what are they doing? What are the fans doing? They're starting to question what Christ has said. They're starting to question, is this guy really who he says he is? How can he be who he says he is? We know his mother and we know his father. There's no way that he came down from heaven. We know where he came from. So they started to question. They started to say, I don't know. I don't know about everything this guy said. Now, keep in mind, at this point, they've already seen a miracle. They've already seen an amazing miracle. But still, they question. Ah. I don't know, that sounds a little fishy because I'm pretty sure I know his mom and dad. There's no way that he came down from heaven. 
So they're starting to ask questions because they're not committed to Jesus. If they were committed to Jesus, if they were followers of Jesus, they wouldn't be questioning him, right? They would say, hey, if that's what you say is true, then it's true. You came down from heaven. But they're not. They're fans. So they say, Ah, they say, I don't know. <laughs> I think that's Michael's way of telling me I've already gone too long, so he's going to cut me off. <laughs> Thanks, Michael. So, <laughs> so the fans that were in this crowd, they didn't care that they were insulting Jesus. They didn't care. They didn't care. They were basically calling him out, saying, hey, you're a liar. They didn't care. They didn't care. They were calling Jesus Christ, the Son of God, a liar. Didn't care. Didn't faze him a bit. You're not who you say you are. But what do we do as followers? As followers, we say, Jesus, if you said it, then I believe in my heart of hearts that it's true. Because isn't that what faith is really about? Faith is about believing that the things that we've read and the things that we've been told are true. We believe that the gospel is what he says it is. We believe that it's the truth, and it's the only way to obtain heaven. So we believe. Fans question because they want to look good, right? They want to look good in their own right. They didn't care if they were insulting him. They wanted to take all these other 4,999 people and convince them that Christ is a liar, that he wasn't who he said he was. But followers, we don't want to hurt Christ, right? We would never call Christ a liar. We're not going to say, hey, the things in this book, they're just made up. This is just a historical document. This is just something that some guy wrote. This is not the inspired truth, but that's not what we believe, right? We don't believe that this is just a book, that this is just not pages and typing. This is the inspired word, and we know where this comes from. So John chapter 6, verse 51 through 57, this is as Christ was continuing to teach. Okay, so remember, this is after the feeding of the 5,000. This is after they were starting to question, "Eh, I don't know about this guy. And this is what he lays on him next. He says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, how can this man give us flesh to eat? And Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whosoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Jesus, as the living Father, sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. Wow. Even today when we read that, do you sometimes catch yourself going, huh, what just happened? Wait a minute, we're eating flesh and we're drinking blood, and what's going on here? But Christ isn't talking literally. He's speaking spiritual words. He's speaking spiritual truths. He is talking about the bigger picture. 
right? He's not just talking about eating flesh and drinking blood because can you imagine how that was received by a group of people who were already questioning if they even believed in him? I mean, think, think of those words that we just read, eating flesh and drinking blood. Yeah, I can, I can totally get it how somebody who's a non-believer would go, what are these guys doing? Like, seriously, what, kind of, what, what is this guy doing? He's talking about we have to eat his body in order to go to heaven? I mean, that just doesn't make sense. So you can see how to a fan, that doesn't make any sense. And literally, you'd be right. But again, we're not talking about literally. We're talking about spiritual words spoken by Christ as an example. And that's often how Christ spoke. We're told in the Bible, what are we supposed to do with our eye if our eye causes us to sin? We're supposed to pluck it out, right? So if we really want to take everything in the Bible literally, that means if we see something that causes us to sin, we're supposed to pluck our eye out. And what does it tell us that we're supposed to do if our hand causes us to sin? Cut it off. Cut it off. Now, I challenge you that if we were to take this literally, there'd be a whole lot of us walking around with eye patches and no hands. I'm just saying, because we've all sinned. We've all sinned. The most righteous among us has sinned, right? But Christ isn't talking literally. He's talking spiritually. He's talking about being the gate to heaven for us. He's talking about not just communion, because communion is extremely important, of course. Not downplaying communion in any way. But what he's talking about is that being the remembrance of the bigger story here. Right? Now, we take communion every Sunday. We take it in the middle of our worship service. And I like to think, even though I had nothing to do with the planning of our services here, but we do that in the middle of our worship service for a reason. Okay? And that reason is, that's the whole reason that we're here. Not just to take communion, but because of what Christ did for us. Because Christ went to the cross, because he was beaten, because he was bloodied, is why we have a chance to have everlasting life. Because without that, none of the rest of it matters. Without that, none of the rest of it matters. It wouldn't matter if we came in here in the morning and sang songs. It wouldn't matter if we took communion service. Of course, we probably wouldn't have communion service without that, but you get the idea. Without Christ going to the cross, dying for our sins, being buried, and rising again, the rest of it wouldn't matter. So, what does a fan do? A fan comes in on Sunday morning, says, I'm going to eat the cracker, and I'm going to drink the wine, or I'm going to drink the grape juice. Check, check. He's going to check off those two boxes. The Bible says I should take communion every Sunday. I took communion. But a follower comes in and says, this is the time that I'm going to spend meditating about what Christ did for me. This is the time that I'm going to spend thinking about that amazing sacrifice that was given to me, not because I deserved it, but because he loved us. And that's what Christ was talking about. He was talking about, he knew, obviously, that eventually he was going to go to the cross, that he was going to die for you and for me and for all the other Christians and give us that chance of everlasting life. Because again, without that, none of the rest of it matters. Singing songs wouldn't matter. Sermon on Sunday morning 
wouldn't matter if it's not based around that amazing sacrifice that Christ had made for us, none of the rest of it matters. We are here on Sunday mornings to feed on Christ, right? We're here to feed on Christ. Not literally, of course, even though that's what the 5,000 thought, but we're here to feed on Christ. We are here to get filled up. We are here to get our cups filled so that we can go out there and be Christians because it's easy to be Christians in here, right? It's easy, right? Because we're surrounded by other Christians. There's really no temptation in here. We don't have to worry about the enemy attacking us in here. So it's really easy to sit here and say, I'm a Christian. I'm good. Good. I'm not a fan. I'm a follower. But what happens is when we walk out the back door, what happens? We say, huh, church is over. Where are we going to lunch? Right? And everything that we just did, all the singing and all the worshiping and all the praising and all the praying and all the communion goes out the window. Right? Because we already checked our boxes. Okay. It's time for football. It's time for fried chicken. Whatever your Sunday tradition is. We always had fried chicken when I was a kid, but fried chicken on Sunday. But we walk out the door and we say, I did what I was supposed to do, because that's what a fan says. But what a follower says is, how do I take the things that I learned here this morning, how do I take that fire that I have now, because I got my cup filled, and how do I go fill somebody else's cup? How do I take those things that I learned here today and take them out there where it's hard to be a Christian and share that with my coworkers? my family, my friends, or anybody else that I may run into. See, that's what separates the fan from the followers. The fan walks out the back door and says, what's next? The follower walks out the back door and says, how do I be more like Christ? How do I share this with everybody else that I encounter? The Great Commission tells us what? Take the gospel into everyone, to everywhere, not to a certain place. It doesn't say take the gospel to all the people sitting in the sanctuary on Sunday morning, because that's great. But the key is, what do we do with that? Are we really taking it out, being the hands and feet of Jesus, or are we just checking the box? I went. I'm supposed to go, so I went. So we're good. But are we? So let's go on to John chapter 6. Verse 66. So, let's pick up our story. So again, after the feeding of the 5,000, he's teaching in Capernaum, in the synagogue. And what does he do? He tells this story, right? So the story we just read about the flesh and the blood. And people didn't like it, right? They didn't like it because they didn't understand it, for one thing. And for another, it wasn't easy anymore. It's now the eighth inning, and my team's down by five. Let's go. Let's beat traffic. So what does John chapter 6, verse 66 say? It says, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. I'm out. My team's down by five. Might as well beat traffic. Might as well hit the bricks. Let's move on. I got other things to do. Why? Why did they do that? Because it wasn't easy anymore. The last passage before this that we had just read was a pretty tough 
tough pill to swallow, right? It's a tough pill to swallow. So you have two options, right? When things get hard, you have two options. You give up and you walk away, which is what many of the disciples did. Or you say, yep, it's hard. It's hard. And it is. We read passage after passage after passage after passage of how hard it is, right? And sometimes we do the whole, this is so hard. I got bills, and I got family, and I got work. It's hard. It's hard. I, you know what? Maybe I'll just go. Maybe I'll just walk away. Maybe I'll just move to Hawaii. So much easier just to walk away. And that's why we have a lot of the problems that we have in our society today, right? Because it's easier to walk away. When things get hard, it's easier just to say, good. It's easy to leave that job, right? Our laws have made it really easy. I'll leave my wife. I'll leave my husband. It's just easier that way. I'll leave my job. There's other jobs. And that's exactly what happened with the disciples. Things got hard. He said things they didn't like, so they left. Isn't that exactly what we do 90% of the time? When things get hard, I'll leave. That class in school is too hard, I'll drop it. Doesn't matter. We always have the option, right? You either stay or you walk away. We've all been through difficult times. Everybody in this room has been through a difficult time. Everybody in this room has probably been through a time where they've said, I'm at the end of my rope. I don't know where to go from here. And probably had that debate. Do I just walk away? Because that's what the disciples did. They walked. And we have that option every day. But we're here, right? And we're here because we need to be here. And we're here because when we gather together, we grow. Right? We're here to fill each other up. We're here to fire each other up. That's why we assemble, right? Because we need to know that we have other people who are going through hard times that are here for us, that love us, that want to be with us, that are following Christ. And that's why we're here. So we've already taken a major step this time, but it's going to happen again, right? It's going to happen again. Things are going to get hard again. You're not likely to go through the rest of your life, however long that may be, just nice and easy. I'm just going to cruise. All my bills will be paid. My faith will be strong. I don't have to worry about that. I'm good. But unfortunately, things are going to get hard, and we have that option. Are we going to stay, or are we going to go? Now, let me jump back to earlier in the story. These people had just seen a miracle. They all saw it. They all knew there was no way to feed 5,000 people with two loaves of bread and five fishes. They'd seen a miracle firsthand. Yet they still walked away. Sadly, we don't get to witness the walk of Christ. We don't. He lived many, many years before us, obviously. We don't get to witness that. But can you imagine, you got to see miracles. And Christ performed numerous miracles. We're just looking at one of them. Can you imagine seeing the things that Christ did and still saying, I don't know if you are who you say you are yeah, you healed that guy, but maybe it wasn't you. Maybe it was something else. 
because they didn't have enough faith. And sometimes that's where we find ourselves. Because we don't get to see those miracles firsthand. We get to read about them, right? Because we have the inspired word. We get to read about them, and that's fantastic. But can you imagine if you actually got to witness the life of Christ? If you actually got to see this miracle, and yet you still said, I'm good. I'm good. I'm just going to go over here. I got other things to do. But that's what we do. That's what we do sometimes. Because they'd been pushed outside their comfort zone. Because like we talked about earlier, it's easy to be a fan when things are good, when your team is winning. We see it every year, right? Somebody wins the Super Bowl, and what, what happens the next year? All of a sudden, everybody's a fan of that team. The bandwagon is big. It holds a lot of people, right? Because we all want to jump on that bandwagon. But what happens when that team doesn't win? Now the bandwagon is gone. And the next year it'll be a bandwagon of somebody else. But we do the same thing, right? We want to be where it's comfortable. We want to be where we're winning. We want to be where things are good. And when things aren't, hmm, I'm good. I'm out. Or maybe, maybe I'm not out. Maybe I'll just do what I have to do check those boxes. Because see, if I'm checking the boxes, I'm doing the right thing and I'm good. No. I don't read anywhere in the Bible where it says, Christ says, I want you to do just enough. I want you to do just the things that are specifically asked of you. What happens when you're an employee and you do just enough? You don't get very far. You definitely don't get promoted, right? You don't succeed. You don't make money. But what happens to those people who go above and beyond. What happens to those people that instead of punching the clock and walking out the door at 5 o'clock, they're still there at 5.30 because there's work that needs to be done. Brothers and sisters, there's lots of work that needs to be done, right? So we have the option. Do we do just the bare minimum? Are we fans? Are we followers? Are we out there being the hands and feet? Are we taking it outside these doors and applying it to our lives? Are we blessing others with it? That's the question this morning. So let's see what happens next. We have a mass exodus, right? People are leaving. People are leaving. So what does he say? This is what Christ says to his followers. He says, you do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. So he asked his 12 closest followers, the 12 people that he had personally invited to be a part of this journey you want to leave too? You guys ever thought about that? Think about the 12 for just a second. I'll go off on just a little tangent. Think about those 12. I wonder when they realized how big a part they played in this big story. Like at what point did they wake up and go, I'm one of the 12? I mean, seriously, can you even imagine? Because you know when this whole thing started, they had no idea what they were getting into. They had enough faith to follow Christ, but they had no idea what they were getting into. It's like the Beatles. You know, did they just wake up one day and go, whoa, we're the Beatles? Same thing with the apostles. Do you think they just woke up one morning and went, wow, guess who we are? So he asked them this very difficult question. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. We get asked that question almost every day, don't we? 
And yeah, maybe Christ isn't standing right in front of us when he asks that question. But every day we have a choice. Every day when we wake up, we have a choice. Am I going to be a fan or am I going to be a follower? And this is the question that we're really being asked. And again, Christ may not be standing right in front of us like he was the 12, but that's the question that we have to answer every day. Because every day when you get up, you have a chance. Every day when you get up, you have a do-over. You get to start fresh. People hate Mondays. I love Mondays. You know why I love Mondays? Because I get to start all over again. And I'm talking about work, of course. But I love it because you get a do-over. And every day when we wake up in the morning, we get a do-over. We get a fresh start every single day. Maybe yesterday I was a fan. Well, guess what? I'm not going to be a fan tomorrow. I'm not going to be a fan now. I'm going to be a follower. So I love the response to that question. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. I love this answer. I do. And if you don't know this scripture, memorize it. And if you're not a memorizing type of person, write it on a post-it note and stick it on your mirror. And why do I say that? Because every day we're asked this question. You want to leave or do you want to stay? That's the answer right there. It's not hard. It's not difficult. That's the answer. I love it. Do you want to leave? Where would we go? Who would we follow? You're Christ. Why would we go anywhere else? We don't have that hope with anyone else. We don't have eternal life with anyone else. It's only through you, Christ. That was the answer to the question. And how amazing would it be if we had the faith and the courage and the strength to answer that question like this every single day? When things are hard and we start going, had enough, maybe I'll just give up. But Lord, where else would we go? What a great question. Where else would we go? Because without Christ, we have nothing, right? So you can either have a chance of life with Christ, or you can walk away and have absolutely nothing. The choice is ours. We have free will. He doesn't force us. But what an amazing, amazing response that would be if we had the same reaction when times get tough, when we start to question our faith. Where else would I go? Why would I want to follow someone else? Why would I not want you in my life? But what do we do? We push him out. We act like a fan instead of a follower. We don't want anyone else, Lord. That was the answer to the question. And that needs to be our answer to the question. Because Christ doesn't want fans. He wants followers. He wants people that love him. He wants people to be the hands and feet. He wants us to go out there and share what we've learned, the hope that we have with other people. I want to leave you with one last scripture and then we'll wrap up. Maybe. Or maybe we won't. Maybe we'll just be done there. Michael, there should be one more scripture. Does that mean I've hit my time limit? There we go. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. I want to leave you with this scripture. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, 
and be a fan. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. That's not what it says. That's not what it says at all. It says, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. It doesn't tell us to be a fan. It doesn't say worship him from afar. It says, take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. So that's the question this morning. Are we fans or are we followers? Much easier to be a fan, right? It's really easy to be a fan. And sometimes we get caught up in that. Remember, we're checking the boxes, doing what we're supposed to do. But are we truly following? Because see, a fan worships. A fan sees Jesus. A fan may even say, I like Jesus. He's cool. He does amazing things. But they don't take the next step, which is to truly be a Christian, which is to truly do the things that we're told to do and not just be a fan. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time of worship we've had this morning. We thank you that this whole service this morning has been centered on you and the sacrifice that you've made for us. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for everything that you've blessed us with. We thank you so much for everything that you've done for us. We thank you so much for loving us and for that amazing sacrifice that you made for us. Heavenly Father, help us, help us to be a follower. Help us to truly take up our cross and follow you, not just be a fan of you. Because we know that that's what you want. We know that that's the plan you have for our lives. But sometimes we get in our own way. And we pray that you will just remove those stumbling blocks, remove those roadblocks. And Lord, just help us to truly follow after you, to seek after you, and to take that, apply it to our lives, and impact those around us. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for loving us. We thank you for all you bless us with. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So again, I just want to leave you with, are you a fan? Are you a follower? Now, you have an opportunity this morning. In just a few minutes, we're going to sing another song. Brother Jason's going to come up and take back over. And you have an opportunity. Maybe you've been a fan. Maybe you've had some time this morning to reflect on your own life. And you say, you know what? I've been that box checker. I have. I've been checking the boxes. I haven't truly been following Christ the way I'm supposed to. You have an opportunity in just a few minutes to come forward or even to the back because I believe we'll have an elder up front and an elder in the back. You have an opportunity this morning to make that right before you walk out that door. Or maybe, maybe you haven't accepted Christ as your personal Savior yet. You have an opportunity to do that this morning. Before you walk out the door, there's no reason to wait. We have elders that will be here to assist you. If you haven't had a chance to obey the gospel, if you haven't had a chance to be baptized for repentance of your sins, you have that opportunity this morning to walk out that door as a Christian, to walk out that door as a follower. Will you please rise as we stand together and sing?